I was going to say, like, this is like the pre, the before moment, like before you start rolling or whatever. Many times that's where the magic happens. Exactly. By the way, if you need me, should I open another beer for you? Uh, Corona? Why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Let's go crazy. Let's go nuts. A premiere. Mm. Cheers, man. Cheers, brother. Welcome you, to Danny Goller's uh, ASMR Midnight Gentle. Talks. Midnight Talks. Um, you can put the beer on the table, man. Totally good. Right there? No, like you can put it here. Here. Are you sure? It's not going to like... Huh. Ah, the coasters. The, the coasters, coasters, man. This is a high production shit. Right? Uh, yeah. Rafal. We're rolling, aren't we? Yeah. I, th- I knew it. Thank you, thank, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely, man. This is spontaneous. Very spontaneous. Yeah. I just did another podcast today, and then uh, you were coming over anyway. So yeah, man. I, have, I had everything set up. And anyways, I wanted to ask you to come and be a guest on my show. So I thought that would be this would be a perfect moment Absolutely, to just do man. it. Yeah, Let's do it. Let's By the talk. way, uh, speaking of premieres, you mentioned premiere. Hold on. Yeah, buckle here. Um, Get comfy, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very important. It's your show, just, man. Just saying. Got to feel good. Um, let me see if I can hold it and still have, yeah, there you go. It's a little, it's a little weird, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> cause I feel weird. It's just like, Doug. uh, we just went to see this film. Well, uh, by the way, I just want to kind of like outline it by saying that the reason I want to talk to you is because you're actually my, one of my favorite cinematographers. And I know you hate when I say that, but it, it's very true. Like you, you, you're such a unique style, uh, creator. And it's such a high level of precision with how you work. And so, yeah, I really wanted to pick your brain. I think that, that would be a great conversation. Appreciate it. But before we dive into, uh, into that, yeah, yeah. Uh, we just saw um, very impromptu. It was a friend of ours that was very, uh, it was very uh, adamant about us coming, seeing a film. Uh-huh. He literally called me 40, 40 minutes before the film began, and he was like, oh, snap. so I'm buying you two tickets for you and Kelsey. If you don't come, I just wasted 50 bucks. I'm like, ah, oh, my God. <laughs> the it's the best trip. It's the best fucking guilt trip ever. Yeah. Bro, did you hear about uh, everything, everywhere, all at once? No. Please tell me about it. One of the best films I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, yeah? Straight up. Okay. It's so fucking creative. You would dig that film. It's like... It's so I don't want to tell you too much because I, you should go watch it. It's in theaters now. Everything, everywhere, all at, all at once. once, and it's one word. Okay, yeah. It's, is yeah. it uh, is it an independent? I don't know. Uh, it's all mostly Chinese cast. Um, and uh, what's her name is in it? Uh, uh, the the oh, forget her name right now. But Kurt Curdy Lee. Uh, what's her name? I don't know. Uh, wow, I'm spacing on names right now. But um, yeah, so basically it's so unassuming. The movie is so unassuming. It starts with like just this Chinese family. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a laundromat. Okay. And you're like, okay. And, you just kinda walk. and then all this shit starts unfolding. You're like, what the fuck is happening? It's like just like epic shit. You're like, what the is... Laundromat? No, starting man. with starting with a laundromat. No, man. Like I'm, 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 I'm actually, I'm, I'm literally not gonna say another word. I'm so happy that we did not know what it was, 
it was the best way to watch that film. Do not watch the trailer. So go in it completely. Just go. Just trust my word. Just go into the film and just watch it. Okay. It's fucking epic. I I, I would say like Oscars all around. Really? From directing, best original story, acting. Yeah. The performance was just like insane. It's like, yeah, like all around. Like, all right, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, gonna, you should I'm go gonna watch gi- it. I'm going to give it a look. Um, so diving back from that to our personal lives, when did you start doing film? <laughs> Let's talk about our personal lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, when did I start doing films? Were so, you two years old and you just somebody? So I was a born with a camera in my hand. It was a very difficult birth for my mother. Um, <laughs> no, so <laughs> so I actually started. Um, I, I fell in love with acting first, um, but backtrack. So I fell in love with acting when I was seventeen. But backtracking, I wanted a camera when I was, you know, I think I was thirteen. Okay, so I got my I got my camera when I was. My first camera when I was 13 and I thought at 17 when I fell in love with acting that I was going to – that's what I was going to do. Like I'm an actor. Sweet. Awesome. So I went to college for acting and then after I graduated, moved to LA um, and I I was auditioning and stuff for uh, – it was like two years, two and a half years and then – but in the back of my head – it started in the back of my head and it started moving like all over my head to where I was thinking I don't – I don't know if I want to be an actor if I want to just make films because – after I got my first camera at 13, I was making like 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 cool short films and videos like skateboarding videos and stuff with my friends. And my best friend in Chicago introduced me to Windows Movie Maker. And that's when it was just like uh, I was going ham on Windows what Movie Maker. What is movies, uh, w- Windows Movie Maker? Windows Movie Maker is the iMovie of Windows. It that is, was a thing? Yeah. It's still a thing? It's still a thing, yeah. It was the first editing software that I ever used. And, um, so that just got me involved with storytelling and very fascinated and interested with like putting videos together and stuff like that. So moving forward, the day acting thing moved here. And then after two years of being in LA, I decided, you know what? I think I want to do, uh, I think I want to do filmmaking instead. I don't think I want to act right now. I don't think I want to act right now. And so, um, I invested, I got, um, uh, uh, Panasonic GH4. I was like, you know, that was my... That was my. That was the first camera I got that was going to be like, a, that I was going to use for cinema and stuff, and then uh, shortly after that I got a Glidecam gimbal, and I just started making videos and, and so on and so forth. And then like I started learning about aperture and and focal lengths and how they affect the image. And then lighting was like the huge, the biggest thing that I was I was terrified of. I I think. Uh... Yeah. deservingly so I yeah. think lighting is terrifying lighting is terrifying there's so many there's so much yeah. going on at any single yeah. moment yeah. it's like where do you put the light how powerful should it be how what color should it be should it be angled yada 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 what bounces out of what yeah yeah how Off is of what yeah. how is this affecting that what's it looking like on the face and stuff like that so it was very intimidating for me so for the longest time i was just all natural light and stuff but even eventually um i started learning more about lighting and i started you know excuse me, getting like my own gear and stuff. And it just, you know, you learn, you, you learn as you go. Yeah. Like you're not going to be good at something at first, but get, get all the sucky videos out of the way because all the sucky videos are your learning process. Right. And eventually they're going to suck less and they're going to suck less and less and less. And I say that intentionally, I say that they're going to suck less because like everyone is good. And no matter how good your videos are, there's someone out there. There's always a hater that says, oh, this video sucks. There are million dollar movies in Hollywood that says, oh, that movie sucked. 
And we're like, you make a better movie then, you know? Like, yeah. But I digress. No, no, that's that's very much on point. Yeah, because are- when you look at your movies now from back then, the short ones, do they suck in your eyes? Oh my god, yes. Yeah. I cringe. I cringe at some of the older videos I made, man. I'm like, try and stay a little closer to me. Okay. Yeah, dude, I cringe at some of the. I cringe at some of the older movies I made, man. Um, I cringe because it's just like I didn't know about lighting. I I didn't. Uh, I didn't know. Th- I didn't know. The is it the delivery? Is it just the compass? Everything just the comp- from the composition to. It's like one movie like doesn't have the best lighting. One movie has like really weird angles. Another movie is just terribly put together. Terrible, you know. And like, but you, I'll tell you this: like, I think about that now with videos that I made five, ten years ago. Ten years from now, I'm gonna look at the stuff I'm making now, and I'll be like, "Ugh, why did I even?" Do, do you think to- that, or do you think there reaches you? We reach a point. I'm actually asking. I don't know. Do you sure. think it's possible to reach a point to which that even when you go ten years from that point, yes, you've evolved, but then you look back and you're like, "Well, okay, like that's already kind of level that I can be okay with." Do you think you ever reached that stage? I think your reactions are less intense when you look at it. Like, it, like right now, I look at stuff I made like a couple of years ago, and I'm like, ugh, uh, I don't like looking at that. But like, like ten years from now, it'll be like, okay, I see why I lit it like that. But now I would light it differently. So on. And You're so less forth. judgy of the choices. Yeah, because yeah. I'm also understanding that like I'm, I'm learning every day. I'm ever improving. Like I can be as I'm only as good as I am today. That's it. And that's something that I started accepting because I'm, I have, have you ever heard of imposter syndrome? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Imposter syndrome is just that thing where you never feel like you're good enough for whatever situation you're in. So if someone invites you to be on a Ted talk or someone hires you to make a movie or something, you're thinking I'm, there's no way I'm near good enough to do this. Um, why are you looking at me? And so I started, I've become way better about that. I've I've literally turned down jobs simply because I did not feel like I was good enough to do them. Really? I swear. Yeah. Uh, up until what point? Um like as recent as a couple of years ago or recent as maybe yeah, recent as maybe like as recent as um like a year into COVID. Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty, it's pretty recently. And Bro, your shit is pretty gnarly. Thanks, so that, dude. No, that's very strange for me to hear, honestly. Yeah, that's, I mean, honestly. Like, man, I'm not exaggerating. Like, you, you, your shit is very fucking good. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Yeah, I, yeah. I really appreciate that. But it's funny you say that because, you know, like, we look at other people's work and we, we you know, we're thinking, oh, my gosh, there's no way I'll ever be. Like, I, they're so good. Like, I'll never be as good at the, as them or yada, yada. And you just start beating yourself up about it. But then those actual artists themselves are looking at other people and they're like, oh, my God, they're so much better than me. Like, how how can I get that good, you know? So it's just an ever evolving like just ladder of just like you think someone is good but they themselves don't think they're as good as you think they are do you think that now the imposter syndrome kind of dissipated for you or is still tremendously yeah i mean don't get me wrong i've i i still have a lot to learn but i accept that i have a lot to learn and i'm only as good as my skill set allows i will do the best job i can for the task at hand is there someone out there that could do it better than me yeah of course of course but like I'm here now, so I'm going to do the best job I can because yeah. that's just my current position in my career. Yeah. No, and I think I think there's something to that acceptance, which is I feel like, you know, it's interesting. I saw this, uh, there was this show called The Green Room, uh, which was a bunch of comedians just sitting at a, at a, you know, 
around a desk and just talking shit at each other, mm-hmm. which is fucking amazing. <laughs> and that episode had Ray Romano, Bo Burnham, and some other old-timers there. It was yeah. such a great conversation. And they asked Ray Romano about uh, the imposter syndrome. Um, wait, what? Oh, the, no, okay. Um there's something about the, they asked him something about the imposter syndrome. And, uh, he said, essentially he said, like it literally never went away for him. And, you know, he was, you know, we all know who he is, right? Like yeah. everybody loves Raymond. Like it was one of the biggest shows on TV. And yeah. it's like, no, like even after the show was over, I was, I, I always have this thing. Like if they only knew who I really was, they would immediately eject me from this throne. And, but then I heard other things. Like I have a friend who's a creator and um, he, you know, he, he had his share of fame actually. And he he told me, well, I, I found that it the, that level of certainty comes after you feel like you paid your dues with the piece. Mm-hmm. So he's a musician. So he feels like when he suffered enough for it, he no longer feels the imposter syndrome around it. Mm-hmm. Because it's almost like, well, I beat myself to death. To make it as good as I possibly can. So I can't squeeze in any more out of that. Mm-hmm. And that's all I can do. Mm-hmm. And it sounds to me like that's very much along those lines. Which is like, I'm just going to be here. I'm going to do what I can to make this look as good as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. That's all I can offer. Mm-hmm. And I feel that transition is the, the, the kind of artistic maturity. Which is like, it's not that you feel like it's all of a sudden you have the switch of like, well, I've been long enough in the game to know that there's always somebody better. But I also been long enough to know that I can deliver a certain to a certain point, and I'm always committed to make it better. But that's all I can do. Exactly, and that's all I can do. This I think is the thing that kind of makes it helps it go away a lot. So exactly, yeah. And that's just that's just what I started embracing. And if you know, God forbid, I create a project that you know my, whoever I'm creating it for, the client or whatever, is is going like, look, I, I really thought we were going to get something better than this. I'm sorry, like I'm not there yet. I mean, I did the best I could for you and I've experienced this before and it's, it's a crappy feeling. I don't want it. I don't want to feel it again, but unfortunately it does happen where you let the client down. But if you, if you yourself put as much effort into that project as you could, then I mean, that's where you're at. That's where you're at. There's nothing more you could have done. Right. Yeah. So you can't just beat yourself up. You can't beat yourself up. You see it as a learning experience and you just move forward because the next project that you do will be better than the previous one. And you just move forward. Yeah, I agree completely. Who are uh, your inspirations? Do you have any? Um, Yeah, I do have some inspirations, but they're mainly, this is going to sound, I don't know if it sounds bad. Are they Muppets? How'd you know? (laughs) No, 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 no. Um, I, I was going to say um, a lot of my inspiration comes from uh, not not um, Hollywood cinematographers, but YouTubers. Um, why is that bad? Uh, I mean, that's the new medium. Th- that's exactly why I wanted to retract what I said, because it's like, you're right. It is the new medium. Like a lot of people get their inspiration from more people than way more than watch movies. Yeah. 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 It's just, you know, the medium is YouTube and, you know, Instagram and social media and whatever. And that is where I myself drew a lot of my inspiration from because that's what I was watching when I decided I wanted to be a filmmaker. So the person that inspired me the most goes by a name of Devin Graham. His YouTube channel is Devin Supertramp. And at the time I started watching him, he, he did a lot of travel videos. 
um, a lot of beautiful like glide. It's the re- he's the reason why I bought a glide cam, a stabilizer, and so because he would like move through like these the scenery like beautifully smooth shots and everything like that, and I was just like mesmerized by his work, and I wanted to try and replicate that, and that's like what I started doing. And I started seeing more creators. Um, One of my biggest influencers is also Parker Walbeck, who runs a YouTube channel called Full-Time Filmmaker. And I admire the information that he and his team provide in terms of lighting, in terms of, you know, composition and, and everything they do. And in fact, my lighting wasn't, the way I light certain tutorials and tutorial videos was inspired by the way they light theirs. So, you know, you pick and choose from different creatives and stuff, and then you make it your own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, it was uh, Peter McKinnon, Peter like McKinnon. for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. But also... Uh... Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I should have yeah. just done it into the mic. That would right? be awesome. Um, what's the name of this... Uh... Wait, it's, that's not the same. So the guys that you submitted your stuff to their competition, I forget his name. That was Parker Walbeck. But that's that, Parker That was yeah, full-time yeah. filmmaker, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's great, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the other thing that uh, that I want to also touch up on is um, I, I mentioned that I was trying to replicate a lot of Devin Supertramp's work. And that's a, that was actually like I, – I was, I, I was kind of pigeonholing myself in a way because I was trying so hard to make my work look like Devin Supertramp's that I wasn't giving myself the freedom to make my work be my own because it had to look like his but I feel like it takes a little time for... And it does. Yeah, yeah. Because right now, I am in a it's position... It's confidence, right? It's, And that's where I'm in a position now where I'm, like I just said, taking bits and pieces. I like how this creator did this thing. I like how that creator did that thing. So I'm going to take... Like, I'm going to take both pieces and make this my own. So now, it's not like... I don't show up to set and I'm thinking, well, how would, how would so-and-so like this? No. Because I have the information that I need... To just ask myself, okay, how do I light this? What's the best way to light this? And that just happens to be my way of lighting it. Is it the right way of lighting it? No, it's art. Someone else would have put a probably put like a hair light or something differently. But you know, that's the beauty of it. What is your process when you arrive at a location? Do you usually absorb the like? Do you just literally try and imagine what it would look like in your head first, or are you much more of a technical like? I have to light it to see it kind of thing. Or you already have enough repertoire in your brain. Or or, or is it impossible to know in certain situations? You just literally have to turn on the lights and see. No, I start with the back. Well, first of all, it depends on what I'm shooting. Am I shooting an interview? Am I shooting a like um, tutorial video? Am I shooting a scene? Because... You know, if you're shooting a scene, then there's a lot of stuff that needs to be taken into account. And to be fair, like there's a lot of stuff that needs to be taken into account for any of them. But like for a scene, you know, several angles and several this and several that. But generally what I do is I I show up to the space and I look around. Like if there's furniture there, I, I ask like what's what which part of the room looks the coolest, which part of the room gives me the most depth. Which one has the most colors? Where are the lights placed? Um, can I use any of these lights in the shot or do they all have to be turned off and I have to use my own? And from there, I set up my camera and then I look through the camera to see what it looks like through the lens. And then then I'll sit the person down and then I'll start lighting. Um, 
because it would suck if I like lit everything and then I look through the camera and oh, this actually looks like crap. Right, right, right. You have to look what, yeah. what, the, what the lens actually does. Yeah, exactly. So I look through my lens, I see my composition and then I start lighting. I light the subject first and then uh, depending on the background, if I need to rearrange some things, I'll put lights in the background or I'll like move a plant in the background. I love plants. I love putting a plant in the background because it just does so much for the shot. Um, so if there's a plant somewhere in the room, I'll be like, it has to go here, there. Perfect. <laughs> Done. And that's, that's usually how, that's usually the process. I see. But for now, like right now I'm in the process of shooting a, a pilot for a web series and, um, the director wants to rent a house. And I said, perfect. Rent the house, but please let, give me a day. Give me not a, not a day, but give me like maybe two hours to go there and actually see the space. Because it's one thing to see pictures. It's one thing to see pictures of, of a space that you might be filming in, but it's completely different when you're actually there. Because then you're in the space and you can actually see what you're going to be working with. Suddenly the roof, the, the ceiling is a lot lower than you thought. You can't set up the lights like you thought you would. So, But also when it's a picture, it's already lit a certain way. Mm -hmm. So you don't know the real light there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm very adamant about being in the space to plan out what I want to do. You know, I, it used to be like show up and just figure it out. And sometimes it still is, but it's not my preferred method anymore. Now I'm a huge, I'm very adamant on pre-production. I love planning stuff because, you know, when you plan it out, things go a lot smoother in in shooting in production and in post-production. Yeah, 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 definitely. No, the planning is a giant component of that. It's funny because sometimes I have those moments with clients where they're like, literally would tell me, yeah, but I mean, what do you mean? How long does it take you guys to come and shoot it? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> do you understand how much work involved before you, you're showing up for me to shoot you and after we're yeah. done here? Do you understand that like literally that's 90% of the work? It's, 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 people really don't comprehend how much actually goes into, that's why, you know, feature films, like sometimes you, you see those giant, like lists, like the titles, it's like, that's how many people it takes to make this incredible thing. Mm -hmm. That's, that's so much involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's honestly like, I would, I would, there could be an entirely separate podcast episode on clients and stuff, but it they'll you'll always understand the creatives will always understand more than the client does in terms of production post-production because you're right they'll always be like well i mean you're just you're just filming this interview thing right like it shouldn't take that long i mean whatever they think it's usually twice if not three times as long you know the the director of a pro of that project thinks that she wants the whole thing filmed in a day it's a it's a 20 something minute long episode with several different locations. So yeah, I, it can it be shot in a day. Yeah. If, if like, if lighting doesn't look good and it's, there's no equipment, there's a run and gun. I handhold the camera the whole time. That's a one take each time. Then yeah, sure. It'll be shot in a day, but it'll look like crap. Yeah. And that's not what I want my name attached to. Why do they want it in a day just to cut corners and just on cost? It's cheaper. Oh my god, this is so ridiculous! It's cheaper to shoot it in a day. Yeah, yeah, man, that's ridiculous. It's yeah, it's way it's way cheaper to to shoot something in a day. Pay the crew one day of work. Pay the pay the uh, location one day of rental. Way cheaper. Yeah. So when they find out that oh, it's actually going to take two days. Oh, it's actually going to take two and a half or even three days. You mean I have to triple the budget I thought I was going to have? Yeah. Uh, I don't think this is going to work for us. Sorry. Okay. Cool. Well, good luck. Yeah. Good luck on your project. Yeah. Doing the day. 
I've shot a music video one time with three locations in a day, and it was a nightmare. Yeah? Yeah. Boat, uh, party house, mansion, boat, and a car scene. Oh, my gosh. All, we actually went into sea and came back all the same day. We started with that. It's like, yeah. I don't know how we managed What was your call time? What time did you start filming? Uh, we started at about 6. 6 in the morning? Yeah, and we finished at about 5 p.m. That wasn't too bad. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at you. That was... That was yeah. I had uh, professionals attached. Like, I had, like, amazing... An amazing cinematographer. I was just directing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had an incredible uh, PA. I mean, it's hilarious PA. She's like a seasoned actress. She wasn't like in f- big films. She wasn't, you know, she's she's a she's a true powerhouse. Uh, Maram Hustler. Yeah. Shout out Maram. Nice. Uh, she's uh, incredible. She's herself now is a cinematographer and a director, and she she just finished her, I think first like big film that she's yeah yeah, and she's amazing. But she was literally just running around like my PA, which was like so humbling and incredible. That's awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, without these people, there's no way. No. Uh, but I wanted to ask you. So you did this uh, little trip. Was it some? Was it India or where did you go? Or Thailand? Oh, uh, the, my Southeast Asia trip. Yeah, yeah. Tell I, me a little bit about that. Um, so long story short, I went to eight different countries over the course of five months with my roommate in 2017. I think we left in April, and then we came back. What was it September? Yeah. And yeah, eight different countries, five months. And it was, it was incredible. Every country had its own very special, you know, things about it, you know, like the land specifically for shooting. So I'm cutting you off, but was it specifically for shooting or was it kind of both? You just also filmed. Okay. It was a hybrid. Yeah. So we, it was out of pocket for us. It was like, it was a pleasure trip. Um, and while we were there, um, our numbers on Instagram aren't as impressive here in the States, but they're more impressive out there. And so, you know, we kind of played the, in, the influencer game, you know, and they were, and, you know, we, we, we hit up different companies, um, excursion companies and hotels and stuff. Hey, um, you know, we are creatives. We would love to, you know, collaborate with you. You, if you let us, you know, experience your, your excursion, or if you let us stay at your hotel, we'll provide you with content. Um, and, and that's what we did. You know, I packed, I had two backpacks the entire time on the front was like my, my backpack that had all my clothes and my, my life essentials, my toiletries and all that. And on the back was my gear bag, which had like every piece of gear I owned. It was very heavy. My back hated me every day. Um, so it was like the army, man. It, it seriously, it felt like it, man. Cause we were like, during these excursions, I had both bags on me and we were like walking up hills and stuff. And I was dying. I was dying. Whoa. But, you know, Great way I, to stay in shape. Yeah, right. Absolutely, man. My legs were my back was just, boom, you know, but yeah. So that trip was it started out as leisure, but it was also it was also business because the companies were interested in working with us. And we did get to, you know, create things for our portfolios and we got to experience things in collaborative ways. It was, And uh, uh, it was really great. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah, no, it sounds like a like a really nice fucking trip. I saw some of the stuff that you shot. Mac showed me. It, it looks pretty good. It's Thanks, uh, and especially because it's like literally run and gun. So it's just like you. And funny enough, there we saw we. I can't remember what country this was. Maybe Cambodia, but um, uh, we had this abandoned church, and we decided to just film a very quick horror scene, and one of the shots looked so freaking good. And again, this chip was back in 2017, but one of the shots was so good that's actually in my 2022 demo reel right now. 
just because Whoa. it looked so good. And I was like, I'm going to show this off. I haven't shown this off yet. It, it deserves I gotta, to be I got to see that specific shot. Yeah, yeah. We're done here. I'll, be very I'll, let you, I'll let you guess the, the shot. So, yeah, that was when I saw the, those shots. Um, the first thought I had was that from your trip, I thought first the first thought I had was like, who is this asshole? But I was like, oh, but those are nice shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Seriously, it was fucking dope. I didn't even know you back then. Mac just no no yeah. I, I had no idea who you are yeah you I just know. tell me about you um uh would you know it's uh the the portion of our creative process that is developing through the journey side of it is always fascinating to me what I mean by that is that there's always the kind of like the corporate work that you can find like um like for example um uh, real estate or you know things that you know they would pay because there's money there and they yeah. need and they need the shot so more commercial stuff right but then there's the other part which is when you put yourself in a position where you have to go on a type of a journey to figure out the thing and mm. to take your skills with you and i feel like there uh i feel like there there's a there's a there's a this portion of the creative process that grows exponentially. Like it's a very different kind of thing because you, there's, there's like an excitement of a discovery there for me, for example, when I do a thing that I know is just purely for me and it's not something that I take because somebody paid me to do it. Like I know that you and Mac were doing those uh, late night explorations, right? You were going like downtown yeah. and things like that. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that can you tell us a little bit about what the, what that was about how it started and what you guys were actually doing when because i know you were like yeah. fucking going into like abandoned malls and like underground into the subway and all that shit yeah right? yeah we we did um we did do a bunch of like different uh like photography explorations and um it's uh, that's all it was it was just yeah we show up to a spot and we just think about like what can we do to make this look cool? Um, what kind of ideas do we, what kind of inspiration do we get from this location? Um, one of the, one of the coolest spots was the Mojave lava tubes. That's about halfway to Vegas. It's about two hours from here. Um, and it's so freaking cool. It's just, it's a cave. What, what is it? Is It's a cave. It's a cave. And um, on the ceiling, there is just, you know, there's a hole in the ceiling where on a full moon, you could see the moonlight shining through and stuff. And if you have the right Whoa, camera, that sounds the, so fucking magical. It was really cool. Yeah. And what are the, what are the walls? Like, what kind of rock is this? Cause I'm imagining like the moon kind of bouncing off this it's like, dried lava. Wow. So it's dried it's like lava. crystalline, like it's like, it, it still looks pretty rocky. Oh, okay. But it's lava. It's not rock. It's lava. And, um, it just, you know, doesn't we, it become like I actually I know know nothing about that, so I'm actually asking. Doesn't like certain portions of that rock that solidifies from lava become almost like a like a crystal or or or, uh, or glass like or no? That's something else. I'm I don't saying. think it becomes glass like. I think there is a bit of a sparkle to it, um, but I honestly have I can't remember to that kind of detail what they looked like. I just remember showing up there. And, you know, just having this cave just all around us with this hole in the ceiling that, like, had, you know, the moonlight shining through and stuff. And it was so cool. Um, but then, you know, aside from that, we also did, you know, we did a lot of urban photography. And that was really cool. We would drive to downtown L.A. and um, and we would just, like, kind of see what the city lights looked like behind us, get cool shots, get cool angles. 
and so on and so forth. And just, you know, you show up with nothing but like your imagination. Just see what see what you'll create. And then you you get something that looks really freaking cool, you know? And it was funny because during that time, going off of, you know, you create, going off of what you said about just creating things for yourself, creating things for me, creating things for you. Um, during the time that we were doing a bunch of urban exploration, it was January of 2020. So January before COVID hit. And um, I decided I was going to challenge myself to create one video every day for a month. One K- video every Casey day. Neistat style. Casey Neistat style, except I, I, there's no way I could do like three, four minute, like, long uh vlogs like he does like he was doing 10 15 minutes daily insanity i do not understand insanity no idea because what is sleep what is sleep you know so i decided and he has a he had a kid and he has a kid he would wake up every day at five did you ever see him talk about the schedule was it five or four five or four some some crazy yeah i saw that that he will he woke up before the world did sort of yeah yeah and that was his time to sort of catch up and finish his video and stuff yeah yeah, and then once the family woke up, that's when he was like start busy and starting to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I decided I was not going to do that, but I was going to decide. I decided I was going to do it for Instagram because I'm limited to one minute now, and this was before IG Reels. Um, I think it was before IG. Yeah, I, I think it was it was it was before IG Reels. So I only had one minute, and I was like, okay, I can do a video a day for one minute. And I still struggled. I almost didn't make it. Like there were a couple of days that were really close calls. I was editing a video at like 11 o'clock at night. Oh my God. You know, but that was just a challenge for me. You know, it was just something I wanted to do because I just wanted to be creative in that way and just to see if I could do it. No, that that's the way to go. To put yeah. yourself in this grinder. Yeah. Because that's how you grow. No, seriously. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. But those, what I meant is that it's not just that you create it for yourself, but the fact that you're doing it in an explorative like in an exploration kind of way. So your trip to South Southeast Asia. The Southeast Asia, yeah. Uh, that would be one uh, urban exploration. That would be another example of mm-hmm. that. How, how would you guys pick up the locations? Like what would, what was the process there? It's just like a, just put your finger on a map and just go there or you for, can... For the Asia trip? No, for the urban exploration. Um, I Honestly, for me, it was like what part of the city has the most lights? Oh, interesting. What part of the city has a lot of lights, a lot of neon, a lot of just because we weren't bringing our own lights. I wanted to go to a place and if if we go to a place that's too dark, then, you know, it wouldn't be interesting to to, to my creativity. You know, it, there I'm sure there are people that would have shown up to a darker part of the city and created something. And that's more power to them. But for me, I like the lights and I like the city lights and the neon and stuff. So we decided, you know, like Chinatown has a lot of lights. And then like um, certain parts of like right on the outskirts of downtown have 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 a lot of lights and stuff. And that's where we like we would park our cars and we would just kind of like walk around. And if we see like a sign or something like, oh, that looks really cool. Look at the glow. Look at the color. And then we would just like kind of hang out there, take some photos or whatever. And then move on and find our next source of inspiration. So how did you guys do the underground abandoned mall? Like how do you shoot there when there's no lights at all? I've never been to the mall. Oh yeah. That was Mac. Mac was able to do that himself. We did try to do that once, but we got caught. We got caught sneaking in and like, why are you not supposed to go there? Like, what's the deal? Like, I don't know. It's, it's just off limits. The security guard saw us and he kicked us out before we got to do anything. Interesting. And what, where is it exactly? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. I wish not, I could tell are you. Not, are you not allowed to say? No, I, I literally cannot remember. I wish I could tell you. Interesting. Yeah. Why is it a, a is it like a waiting 
extra demolition and there's going to be a building there. What's the deal of it just being there and having security guard there, but not having really anything there? Like, what's the deal? It's an actual mall? It was an actual mall that was abandoned? I think it's an abandoned hospital. Oh, interesting. So it's not even a mall. It's a hospital. Um, and it was a, a psychiatric hospital. Ah. Yeah. So the security guard wasn't even, like... He wasn't even real. There was just like a yeah, ghost. We, from, yeah, yeah, it was just a ghost. Yeah, he wasn't even there. But he was so vivid, and you know, he offered us coke and stuff. It was weird. No, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what what I think. I think it's off limits just for security reasons or for safety reasons. Because you know, any if if there was no one guarding it, then anybody could sneak in and anybody could get seriously injured or even that killed. is true. I, I, yeah, and then it's like a liability thing on the city or something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's my guess. Yeah. Um. Maybe they do have plans to to demolish it and whatever, and they don't want anyone near it. So no, that makes perfect sense. How do you see the the next couple, or two or three years of your career unfolding? Do you feel like you're going to be doing more of the more cinema, like closer to creating like actual films, and then maybe creating your own, like I don't know, maybe writing a film or something like that, or or you want to stay on the on the path of creating for others for now. It's uh it's actually a thought that's been bouncing around in my head for a while now. And at the moment, you know, I'm just creating work for others. Um I rarely create work for myself right now, which is kind of a bummer. Um I would like to create work for myself. Um but I also have bills to pay, and so I want to make sure that's taken care of. Yeah. So, um in a couple of years from now, man, I I I I don't want to just be I don't want to be depending on my I don't want to be creating films as my only source of income. I do want to stay in the visually creative space because that's just what I, that's, that's my hook. That's what I got locked into. That's what I chose. Not, I, that's not what I chose. That's what chose me. You know, I love cameras. I love creating images and stuff, but I also want to do other stuff around that medium. And but what is other stuff around that medium? It's a good question. Um, no, really, like I can't envision what it would be. I mean, YouTube, I guess. But... Well, not necessarily being the guy behind the camera, but being but being part of the process in another way. Um, you know, of the cinema cinema process. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe maybe I'm able to hire people out to do other jobs and stuff while I, you know, so manage more. I think so. Yeah, I th- it's I th- also much more. It's much more scalable. Yeah, exactly. So I think. Um, I think a bit more, you know, stay, stay at the sidelines and like just manage things a bit more while other people, you know, collect the work and stuff. But, um, I don't know. I think also create work for myself as well, instead of just like, but the, instead of just uh, depending on, you know, client work. But the problem is I, I have, I have huge procrastination problems when it comes to creating my own work. When it comes to creating client work, it's easier because I have deadlines. And if I don't make those deadlines, then, you know, I get, uh, you know, I get a bad rep and I look bad. Um, but if I'm creating work for myself, it's bad because it's, 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 for me, it's easier to fail myself. It's easier to, to, to fail on myself than it is to fail on someone who's depending on you. Yeah, I feel, I feel I feel like that's just across the board. Yeah, yeah, but so you, you so you feel like you do want to move more towards the maybe starting like an actual production company. I think so. That is like like straight up like an organization that you get to run a little bit more and. Yeah, it's a thought that's been bouncing around in my head. Um, it's just like I like I don't like the idea of I only get paid when I'm 
behind the camera rolling or when I'm editing a video. Is it too limited or? It does feel kind of limited. I want to be able to create other sources of income still in, still while creating, while in the field that I enjoy, which is cinema, cinema and photography as well. So basically just uh, balance your portfolio, really. I think so. Just to make sure that there's, you know, you can fall on some of these, something all of a sudden happens in that industry or whatever. I think so. Yeah. That'd be a good way to look at it. Yeah. That's a, that's a really reasonable way of looking at it. Do you feel that? Because the the medium itself is also ever evolving, like you know, the, the the cameras, the again the the actual way of putting the information out there. So like you know, we mentioned YouTube would be like a great example of that. Yeah, and how people consume that information in smaller bites, it changes the nature of how what we're shooting for. Oh right? God, yes. Yeah. So do you think all of that taken into account? Do you think that we will? really converge into like this much much you know with tiktok and things like that would do you think we're actually going to converge on this like much much shorter bite like content pretty much across the board or do you feel that that this obviously is going to be a lot of guesswork but what is your intuition here like do you feel like or are we going to bounce back to slightly more expansive and and longer Mm -hmm. longer forms of content create creation well social media for sure has shortened the attention span of viewers for sure. Like um, I saw a video where, you know, the sweet spot of an Instagram ad is, you know, between like 16 and 18 seconds and you have the first three seconds to hook the person in. Yeah, no, that sounds like a lot. 16, 17. Like I, yeah. I curse my phone phone every time there's a YouTube commercial. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, and it's a good, sometimes they give you the five seconds to skip and then sometimes you have to watch the entire 18 seconds and you're like, motherfuckers. You don't have the right apps on your phone then, my friend. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk. Yeah. We'll talk. Yeah. But no, I actually have the subscription for like three months. So I, right now I don't have commercials, but yeah. Nice. Yeah. But when that subscription is over, yeah, okay. you come to me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Like, like the, the commercials and stuff are annoying, but the thing is, the like saying what I was uh, going back to what I was saying about the attention span is stuff like TikTok and stuff like Instagram, IG reels and all that stuff is definitely, you know, way shorter form, which is actually something I, I enjoy. Why? Because it puts the restriction on you to try and make it make the point. Because I'm a lazy editor. You think that's what it is? <laughs> I'm, I'm oh, seriously I'm going like I'll, I'll, I'll retract. I'll go back to what, what I said about um, expanding. I, I enjoy I enjoy social media platforms because they're a bit more fun to create for. Um, I, I don't know what it is about it, um, but like the mark, social media marketing is kind of cool for me right now. So it's like something I'm kind of like starting to dip my toes in. Like wh- how one of the things I had to do was create a video. Um, I had a client where I was creating for a year and I created YouTube videos for them. And then I had to take that video and compress that information into one minute for mm-hmm. Instagram and then compress like, a trailer or whatever for the Instagram stories. And that was really like, it was kind of cool for me because like, how are you able to take all this information and still make it attractive to someone looking at it on their phone? Because people who are watching videos on YouTube are planning on watching longer videos on YouTube. That's why they are on YouTube. But if they're on TikTok or Instagram, they're not interested in seeing long-form content. They're they're ready to swipe at a moment's notice, which is why that that content has to be much more explosive and what's much more like hook grabbing you as fast as possible. And then keeping you across the minute. Minute is still a long time for people who want yeah. short content. Yeah. yeah. 
But as a creative, that's fascinating to me because I, I get to think like, okay, here's the main video. What do I need to do to this video besides changing its proportions to make it stand out and to make sure people don't swipe right past it? Right. Because that's what that's what's important. You literally have to think of every second that passes. Like, was this interesting enough? Was this interesting enough? Was this interesting enough? Because otherwise, you can lose them at any of those seconds. Yes. So it's like, yeah. And still take the information from the longer video and stay loyal to the arc of whatever that video was. Yeah. Just, like, fract, like fractal it into, like, a smaller version of itself. It's just like, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so this is something you do enjoy. To take to try and figure that, that little puzzle, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is fun for me. It is I, I do enjoy doing it um, because I also do like to like kind of sit back and just see the different versions of these videos that I was able to create out of one idea. Hmm. You know, yeah. So I do enjoy I at the moment I do enjoy making short form content more than long form content because I'm able to create a bunch of smaller videos. Um, and I'm able to like make one video, that one's done, and now I'm on to another project. Um, it's also much of, more the, the the gratification for me with editing. Yeah, is when you after the you know the aftermath. So like I finish it, and then there's, there's just this long sigh of relief. It's just like oh, and then the revisions edit. come in. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I mean after the revisions. Yeah, but but the more you get to complete, I would assume. That those are the those are the uh, the, yeah. the the dopamine spikes. Like those are like oh nice. Like you feel so good about like finished finished. Finish. Yes, you feel much more prolific. I guess absolutely. Though, yeah, yeah. And then you see the views coming in and stuff, and you're like, all right, cool. That okay, that wasn't so bad. And then you're on to the next one. I'm like, oh god. All right, let's do it again. Where's my beer? Where's my whiskey? It, do you also do you also experience this that every edit? Because for me, it's that way. And I have a friend who's a like a you know super professional editor. What I mean by that is like he edits like big you know big films like mm -hmm. million dollar films. Whew. And he and he 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 told me that till this day he's been editing for like twenty five years. Um, it, there's not one edit that is you know on his uh, on his computer that is not like. Every single time, it's the same, which is like, I have no fucking idea I'm going to do this. Like, every single time. That's and I, awesome. I feel very similar. Do you have that or you have, like, a system that you kind of... It depends on what I'm editing. Um, so when I was editing for this client, I I literally had a Premiere Pro template because it was a YouTube channel. So there was... Oh, so they have a... There was branding yeah. involved. And there was, like, you know, they had they had a logo. They had a sound bite, And, like, they there was a... The rhythm of the videos also had to, like, kind of be cohesive with each other because that was all part of the brand. So as that was developing, yeah, it became easier for that client. Yeah, for one client, I agree. Exactly. But, like, from client to client... Then you go from client to client. Um, it, it, you know what? That's kind of where the pre-production process kind of helps because if you do have a – maybe you have a song picked out. Maybe you have a shot list picked out and you have like um, kind of like a list of ways that you are going to put this thing together, then it sort of helps ease into it. You know, um, I recently had to – I spent a weekend in Napa filming, filming this event and when I got back, I had six, seven hours of footage. That's a lot of footage. <laughs> and I had to take the best the best of that footage and put it into like a two or three minute long highlight video. Whoa. How do you do that? You, you know? Fucking scrape the shit out of it. Yeah. You do. <laughs> like you have to kill so many darlings. But like um No, I just mean like literally I don't play it. I just scrape the whole thing the whole time. I you just, scrape it? I just scrape. 
What do you mean by scraping? Uh, like I don't play or fast forward. I literally take the mouse and I on top and just scrape it much faster. I just go. Like, like That's an interesting it. method. Yeah. See, so with, with really long videos, and, I, and then I know I learn how to catch the moment, and I would stop there and I would play. Okay. Yeah. But the thing is, it literally saves me hours. So, yeah. What I do is, I think for me to get the edit rolling is to find a song. So if I find if yeah. I find the song, that's that's a good foundation for me because that sort of helps the hills and valleys in the song helps sort of imagine help you imagine it where it solidifies it for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So oh, you know this part is going to be slower, slow. You know, so it also it moves you. The song moves you exactly. Which, which it, it, with the second emotion is involved, it's much easier. Yeah. yeah. So honestly, if I'm stumped, what's helped me a couple of times is if I, if I have a song or something. I was editing a wedding a wedding video once. And I found the perfect song. It was I, I shot the wedding with that song in mind, and that helped a lot. Interesting, but it was also risky because I also ran the risk of like the bride or groom saying like, "Oh, can you use this song for our wedding?" Yep. And I'm like, yep. "Shit!" But luckily, they didn't do that. So I, I there was one part of the song where I imagined this happening, and I filmed that happening in that way, and so I kind of did that throughout. So I started putting together that edit like a like a puzzle. I didn't start at the beginning. I didn't start at the end. I started where I saw my shots. And then from there, you're able to start being like, okay, well, how does this moment connect to this moment? How can I? And that's that's a good way to edit as well. Yeah, it's Pick, kind, of, kind of like rock climbing. How is it like rock climbing? <laughs> uh, that one, like, okay, I figured this thing out. What's the next thing? How do I figure? So for yeah. you, it's like the center of like my shots. Yeah. My shots is my first step. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. Not exactly. necessarily in that, that it's linear, like rock climbing, but it's like one problem after the next problem. Yeah. Basically. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's a, that's a good way that I like to, you know, you see the blank timeline, you see the blank canvas, and you're like, crap. But, you know, going back to what we said about, you know, like the, mat the maturing of like the, the, um, the creative process and stuff, I know every single time now, especially that, that experienced editor that you spoke with, like, I'm going to open up a blank timeline. I'll be like, I have no idea what to do. I have no idea where to start. But I all, you always figure it out. There's always yep. a solution. And you always get that project done. Yeah. You it's always fun. trust that you will. Yeah. And then you just do. And then you just learn to trust the process and you trust yourself yeah. with it. And sometimes it's just that the hardest time I'm having is when I don't like the material. That to me is like death. It's like, because then it just drags. And also every time you're coming to, back to yeah. edit it, it's just like this like, ugh. Mm -hmm. You just say, you don't want to engage with it. It's just like, yeah. That's the nightmare. The nightmare is not the grind of going through the moves. It's the grind of going through the moves while you suffer through each and every one of those moves because you don't care about the content. That that to me. And that's the content that you need to avoid. You know, yeah. like if, if, if I'm in a project where I find myself not caring about how it goes, then I should not be in that project. Yeah. You yeah. know, but. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the projects I'm involved in, I try my best to put as much of myself in it as I can, because, you know, if I start to not care, then it starts to deteriorate in, in, in value and in um, quality. Yeah. And that's not fair to whoever you're creating yeah. for. No, a hundred percent. No, but I'm with you. Like that, that, that moment of knowing what the first, like if I have any thread at all, I'm super happy in the beginning. Like, mm -hmm. oh, those shots, I actually shot um, a thing for uh, fashion week. Like that, which is like I saw this moment. It wasn't just the it, the moment included a song that was playing in the background because they were practicing the exit for the models to come out in that moment. And there was something about the also the light hitting the guy's face in complete darkness from the screen. Uh, uh, he was looking at a screen in the dark, 
watching them coming out. And he was calling them like next model, next model. He was the one giving them the cue. And there was there was like a purple hue to the to the screen like that's falling awesome. on his face. I was like, that's a great moment. So I just shot that and I, the music that was playing, I was like, that's also a great like I already saw it. I was like, I'm gonna we're gonna do this moment. I'll show you. I'll show you that later. I don't know if I show that with you. And then I moved to the actual song and it opens up to like the you know, the 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 show. Yeah. And it was like a perfect perfect transition. Mm-hmm. But that moment and that song w- were decided in in that instance because I knew that that's going to be a perfect way to go with that. Yeah, so, yeah. Th- th- those edits are the easiest because you just know that. Uh, but a version of that will always come to you one way or another. What and do you mean? The inspiration. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. But no, what I mean specifically is that while you're shooting it, yeah. that's not that doesn't always happen. No, no, it yeah, doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's just like being at the right place at the right time and seeing it right there, and you're just yep. like, gotta catch that. Yep. Boom, done. What is the piece that you can point to that you're the most proud of that you've done do you have one? Oh man um i i'm not sure um i feel like i'm proud of several pieces of of things that i've created um in different ways like i'm proud of maybe the way i lit one thing but i'm more proud of the story that i told in another one and i'm more proud of like the edit that I put in, like, my my Southeast Asia video is, like, that was some awesome editing. Like, I do not have the patience for that kind of editing anymore. Like, um, uh, the, the, the series of videos that I created for the client was, um, was a proud moment in, in terms of my, if you see the first video versus the last video I created for them, it's just a huge change. Um, so I'm proud of like my growth in that. Um, I I shot a I, I recently helped a friend shoot a pilot for a web series they want to pitch, and that was filmed completely outside. Um, and I'm really proud of how I was able to film something outside and still make it look as good as I was capable of making it look, right? Um, with reflectors and using oh, okay, the sun. so did use I, I use reflectors. That's it. No, no, like I use reflecting and diffusion. There, there, there were a couple of interior shots, but the sun again was so strong that I only had like lights that were turned on full blast and they were fill or something, you know, that's how bright it was. So I, I only had the sun and that's it. Diffusion and bounce. And so how do you battle that? Is it shutter speed? Um, uh, ND filters Mm, ND filters. I had one ND filter. Um, I should invest in more because I, uh, I had one a variable ND filter and I had step up and step down rings and I had three lenses that I was shooting the film on. And, you know, depending on whenever I had to change the lens, I had to, you know, change the lens and put that ND filter onto that lens with the step up or step down rings. But I really wanted to shoot wide open in, a, in broad daylight because that for me was going to give me a more cinematic look when shooting outside. Um, and so I needed ND filters to make that happen. What do you mean by wide open, by the way? Um, so I was shooting with prime lenses the entire time and they were like 1.8 or 2.8 aperture lenses. So when I was shooting wide open, I was shooting at the lowest F stop. So oh, yeah. Yeah, so referring to aperture. I was, That's what I mean. Okay. Sorry, yeah, sorry. I, I thought there was some other, okay. Never mind. Yeah. No. So yeah, yeah. yeah. When you shoot wide open on a lens, you shoot at the lowest F number. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So for, for some reason, my, in my brain, there was like another option here about like the, 
like uh, for some reason my brain went into like anamorphic lenses and things like that like uh-huh. just the, i guess the width but okay i see what you mean yeah yeah um but this is yeah i mean because then you have so much light coming in you have a lot of light coming in but you also have that nice blurry background you have that yeah, separation. Yeah, sure. It adds a more professional look. How, how do you? Sorry, I don't mean to like no, interject in the thing, but like, I, and this is something I'm, you know, obviously this is something that I'm sure a lot of cinematographers struggle with. But like, when you're completely wide open, what do? And I guess you just figure out the distance so actors have some freedom of back and forth, or because you know, what I mean, like that. Yeah, because then they're gonna like they're gonna make a little move and they're out of focus. That's so. why I love Sony. Because of the, the autofocus? Because of the autofocus. <laughs> if you don't have a focus puller, yeah, because yeah, you're yeah. right, like actors move back and forth. That's why there are focus pullers. And if you don't have a focus puller, then you have to have a camera that has really good, that has good focus tracking. And I had I had my Sony A7S III, which had really good focus tracking. And it was able to keep them in focus whenever they moved or anything like that. Yeah, that, that's basically the solution. Yeah, lifesaver. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna unfortunately gonna have to wrap it up pretty early today. Uh, so let me ask you one more question before we go. Um, you, you know, you had you had your share of uh, your uh, your like your 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 journey is already has like quite a few stops in it. Mm. Uh, do you feel that you will ever move on from this? Like in like, is it possible for you to all of a sudden do something completely different? Or, or do you feel like you're pretty much going to stay on, like, you know, the visual cinematic? Like, w- would you be creating visual content, you feel like, your whole life? Or No. Um, I mean, right now, I do feel like that. But when I was in college, I thought I was going to die an actor. Like, I, I, I went to college for I got a degree in it. I moved to L.A. I moved across the country from Chicago to pursue acting. And after two years, after like two years of, you know, trying to be this thing I thought I was going to die doing, I switched to being a cinematographer. So right now it does feel like that, but I'm not there. I'm not saying yes, because anything could happen. Like I might, I might fall in love with, uh, uh, um, cooking or something. (laughs) I might be, I might be a chef or something, you know, I have no idea. But as it stands right now, yeah, I, I love the visual arts. I love using cameras. I love creating beautiful images. And so that's definitely going to stay in my life to some degree. Well, I hope it will for, to, some, uh, to, to some considerable time because I really love your content. And uh, I always learn a lot from you. And, uh, you know, I tell you this, you know, off camera a lot, but like you really inspire. I'm sure not just me, but you inspire a lot of young creators because... Uh, uh, there's there's magic to your work. It's not clinical. It's very creative in a true sense of the word in which like you don't quite know what you're going to get next. It's not that it's inconsistent, but you always see this pace with which your work grows, which is incredible to watch. So, so much, I, I really hope you're going to keep doing that for quite a while, man. It's, uh... I really appreciate that, man. And I hope that I, I if I do continue to create this, then I can continue inspiring people because there are people who inspired me and I think it's only good to give that back. Yeah, I feel like that's where the real fulfillment comes. Absolutely. Where you, where you actually give, like, you, you pay it forward, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Bro, uh, I, I would love to do this when we have a little bit more time. For and sure. And actually, I would love to explore a little bit your fascination with acting. And we can talk a little bit also about oh, yeah, uh, for meditation. Sure. Uh, but for now, we'll, we'll adjourn for tonight and we'll pick it up in another day. Thank you so much for doing it, man. Dude, thanks so much for having me. This yeah. was fun. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Thank you, Rafal. Peace.